Good evening. I, n- I know I know it's five o'clock in the morning, but the sun won't be up for another three and a half hours. So good evening. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yes. Very nice. And uh, if it wasn't scary enough that it's Halloween, we saw our first snow flurries here in Metro Detroit yesterday. Have you heard about Gross. that, Renee? Supposed to get more tonight, but out towards Howell Way, out towards Novi, there were... Um, Reports of snow flurries. I saw frost on the cars when I was leaving. Those kids are going to freeze their little butts off tonight. But is it Halloween in Michigan if it's not freezing with the chance of snow? I know. It's just hard to believe that this time last week it was close to 80 degrees. I actually can believe it. I mean, it's Michigan. I know. It is what it is. Stupid lakes. Anyway. (laughs) So I got to say, Renee, it's, it's much easier... Waking up after a late night when the Lions win, then uh, say a debate. Yes, <laughs> that is very true. We have a little more pep in our step. A couple of observations. Number one, those uh, special blue helmets look dope. They did. I like those. I want a car like that with that finish and that color. Ooh, that'd be good advertising. Uh-huh. Now that Ford, the, get now, on it. You're right. Now that the strike's over, uh, slap a couple of those off the assembly line. Make that happen. A limited edition thing. That Snoop Dogg, Chris Stapleton cover of In the Air Tonight as the Monday Night Football intro is lit. Oh, I miss that. There was a time where... Uh, it said, I can feel it coming in the air tonight, and there was a shot of Dan Campbell, and I was pumped. Oh, my gosh. I'm getting chills, and I didn't even get to witness it. I mean, here's the I'm thing. I'm going to have to check that out on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, Chris Stapleton, he he kills that song, Snoop's Verse. It sounds like it shouldn't make sense, but it does. Uh, and look, the Lions took care of business against the bad team, mm-hmm. which is what good teams do. And now we head into the bye week feeling good about ourselves. There was a little moment of panic early on in the second half where Jared Goff threw that pick six. Under same old Lions, that would have been the unraveling, right? Yeah, and I thought my uh, husband was going to unravel. He, he did lose <laughs> it for a minute. I, everybody did. I, I mean, right after it happened, just my whole Facebook feed was, uh-oh, here we go. Yeah. You know, I'm getting nervous. And and look, we're, we're a snake-bit fan base, right? Yeah. It's where... We're having fun, but we we still don't want to trust. We're cautious. Right, because we've been crushed so many times in the past. And, uh, look, player of the game was that blonde woman in the front row who, when Jameer Gibbs jumped up, she she effortlessly picked him up like a sack of flour and and pulled him into the stands. That was was impressive. That's going to make promos and highlight reels for quite some time to come. We're going to be seeing that for a while. Let's get her on special teams. Yeah. Right. I, I, honestly, though, I, I think I, I think what happened was Jameer Gibbs, who had a monster game, he's really stepped up in David Montgomery's absence. I, I think he actually pulled himself up, but the yeah. way, way it looked like it, it looked like she just went Hulk smashing. Uh, someone on the internet said he picked him up effortlessly, like he was a toddler. It was beautiful choreography, is what it was. So it's, I mean, it's just an absolute blast watching this team this season. It's a lot of fun. I got a little bit worried. I got a little bit nervous yesterday when I said that there's no way the Lions were going to let the Raiders mess up Lomas's Browns Lomas Brown's special night where he uh, is it was inducted into the Ring of Honor and uh, and uh, luckily luckily they they made uh, a Nostradamus out of me. I it's- wish we would have been able to see a little more of that on TV. Yeah, I was wondering if at least they would. At least show a clip of it. I think I feel like Sean Belegian. Uh, <laughs> sorry, we're watching Channel Four, 
and Tracy Walker is being interviewed in a pimp costume. I guess these guys showed up in uh, Halloween costumes. You saw it was perfect. Aiden Hutchinson showed up dressed as Shark Boy, and by the way, Taylor Lautner, the actual Shark Boy, was at the yeah, game. Yeah, he was. Uh, but I, I, I'm sorry, I got distracted. Yeah, I think Sean Belegian on his social media had posted videos and. Uh, pictures. So I'm sure we'll talk about this uh, a little bit more in depth later on with the JR Morning Crew, but absolute fun season. And I heard something, I heard something the other day that the Lions, with how well they're playing and how bad the uh, NFC North is, could actually have the playoffs clinched by Thanksgiving. Could Get you imagine out of that? Here. I know. Speaking of Thanksgiving, they announced the uh, halftime performer for our game. It's Jack Harlow. Yeah. And everybody uh, had their feelings about it. The younger generation thought it was cool. The older generation went, who? (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of people. But that's my demographic. Here's the thing about Jack Harlow. I feel like I went to high school with him. He is like every single stoner kid I went to high school with. (laughs) Yeah. He's got that look. Like the girls thought he was cute, so anytime he said something stupid, they would laugh and giggle. Uh-huh. But but uh-huh. that that's what I get from Jack. He's fine. You're I never going to make everyone happy. Last year it was BB Roxa, and it was the same reaction. So the other thing I saw people commenting with, hopefully they don't put him in the corner this time. Like, oh yeah, they like, did that with BB Roxa. Yeah, they put her like by the we- the yeah. snack bar. Nobody can see. Very it. strange. All right, so. Yesterday afternoon turned to evening, and then evening turned to night. And and finally, about 9.30, Guidepost Solutions posted their investigation into the Oxford High School shooting that killed four students, despite saying it would be released in the afternoon. And you and I were kind of talking about it. We were waiting around, waiting around. I understand that the reason it took, you know, almost two years for it to come out is because they had to do a, a thorough investigation. But why why was it delayed so much yesterday when yeah. it was supposed to come out in the afternoon? I kind of felt like it was going to come out maybe noon, 2.30. Right. But, uh, yeah, 9.30 at night, and this thing is over 500 pages, almost 600 pages. I mean, and, and it happened during Monday Night Football where, obviously, people's attention was split i think that was just a coincidence yeah but i don't think it had anything to do with that but uh very interesting that it came out so late so let me give a shout out to lily altavina from the detroit free press this was 500 pages and she did a very thorough job of this and i think um we're prop there's a lot more that's going to probably be coming out so uh the report says that there was a failure by individuals at every level uh, to provide a safe and secure environment for students saying that the shooter should have been sent home after the meeting between he, his parents, and a guidance counselor the day of the shooting instead of being allowed to go back to class. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guidepost Solutions says that the school district did have a threat assessment policy at the time, but they failed to implement it correctly. Calls out former Superintendent Tim Throne, who was in charge of creating and implementing the guidelines. The report says that he failed to make it clear which administrators were responsible for the threat assessment to the point where then assistant superintendent Jill Lemon and Ken Weaver, who's also the assistant superintendent at the time, they each thought the other one was responsible for the threat assessment. So it wasn't the chain of command and and the delegation of duties was not made not clear. clear. Um, the report states that counselors Sean Hawk, Hawkins and dean of students Nicholas Ejack 
should have placed the shooter under suicide intervention protocol and should have elevated concerns about him to the Oxford High School principal and assistant principal. No one asked the shooter if he had access to firearms during the meeting um, between him, his parents, and the school the day of the shooting, let alone if he had a gun on him, which which he did. He had it in his backpack, yeah. didn't even check. The report found which that... Which is mind-blowing, but it, they didn't check. It really is. And it sounds like, from all accounts, they were more worried about him hurting himself. They didn't think he was going to hurt other people. And I'm sure this guidance counselor feels awful, but the fact... The fact remains that skipping this step cost lives that day. Uh, the report found that there was no one monitoring the 90 security cameras around the school so that the shooter's location and movements could be monitored and broadcast to staff and students, which would be protocol for active shooter situations. Guidepost Solutions, listen to this, Renee, reached out to 143 current and former Oxford Community School employees for interviews. Only 51 responded. And many denied interview requests because of the advice from the district's lawyers. But every family member of the four deceased students agreed to be interviewed when requested, as well as several students. And another chilling detail, the shooter told a student that it was the last day of school, the day of the shooting. And, you know, the fact that only 51 employees agreed to be interviewed by guidepost solution is infuriating. I understand the lawyers have a job. The lawyer's job is to protect their client right. and work in the best interest. But if you're one of the families of the dead or the injured, if you're one of the students who are forever traumatized by what happened that day, that doesn't make it any less infuriating. It doesn't. And it, it doesn't. shows that the school district was trying to save its own butt more so than working in the best interests of the students. Yeah. Yeah. So so it sounds like they had a procedure in place for something like this. It was just a very weak one. Yeah, and to me it sounds like they they had something in place in theory and but it didn't seem like it was practiced. It didn't seem like it was thoroughly um it it, it was it was thoroughly vetted. Right. I I think it was just put in place because it had to be, and right. it was kind of put on the shelf because they probably thought it would never happen there. It was like a first aid kit that's required to be in the building, and all, no one knows where it is or what's in it. Or, everything in is expired, yep. and the bad yeah, and, and the band aids aren't. Safe. That's yeah. a perfect analogy. Yeah. And real quick before we hit break, a couple of updates about what's going on over in Israel. Hamas commander who was involved in the October 7th planning of that attack has been killed. Israel rolled their tanks deeper into Gaza yesterday, freeing a female soldier who was taken hostage from her watchtower during that attack. Hamas released another propaganda video of three elderly women, obviously under duress, being forced to berate Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, calling for him to secure the release and criticizing him for not doing enough to prevent the October 7th attack. The body of one of the concert goers whose kidnapping was videotaped and posted all over by Hamas. She was found beheaded inside oh Gaza. Uh, another video has been released of an alleged Israeli tank firing on a car full of civilians mm. inside Gaza. Israel has not commented on the video yet. And we got word that a U.S. target in Iraq was hit by rocket fire. No injuries reported. So, um 
Busy news day. We've barely even scratched the surface. Stay with us. It's first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR. You know, Renee, um, hell of a game from the Lions last night. However, I think their thriller dance could use a little bit of work. A little bit? They're a little bit out of sync, which is good. They're probably uh, spending more time practicing the game than the dance. I'd say that's a safe assessment. They're such a fun team to watch because you could tell they're having fun. Yes, the energy is there. And uh, we're going all the way, baby. We're going to have the day after the Super Bowl off as per our uh, program director. Who <laughs> I think said, she immediately regretted that. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. If the Lions win the Super Bowl, we're going to want to be on air the next we day. We will. It's one of those where you're like, yes, we definitely need to be here. Once in a lifetime. But it's still it's still fun to uh, have the option yes. just in case. Right. I think I'm just going to roll in at 545. They're like, we won, baby. We're going to be on a high. We're going to be sleep deprived, and it's going to be a great day to be on the air. It's going to be one of those that we're going to talk about it as old broadcasters one day. I'm going to still be drunk. Just, uh, just. uh, I do some of my best shows that way. (laughs) At least in the moment, it feels that way. Uh, Yesterday, we were talking about uh, the the sudden passing of Matthew Perry, and I forgot where he was quoted as saying this, that. He said one day his death will be shocking but not surprising, which was very prophetic. And you kind of had a criticism for the rest of his castmates. Yeah, I was really surprised that on social media, none of them from the Friends cast had put out a statement, had posted anything on their social media. Well, yesterday they released a joint statement in the wake of his death. Uh, In the statement, Jennifer Aniston, Courtney Cox, Lisa Kudrow, David Schwimmer, and Matt LeBlanc paid tribute to their late co-star and friend. And it reads, we are also utterly devastated by the loss of Matthew. We were more than just castmates. We are a family. There is so much to say. But right now we're going to take a moment to grieve and process this unfathomable uh, unfathomable loss. In time, we will say more. And when we are able, the statement continues. For now, our thoughts and our love are with Maddie's family, his friends, and everyone who loved him around the world. Why aren't they able to now? That's my question. It just seems kind of... Blah. Yeah, you're right. And yeah, I was kind of giving you some some grief yesterday about your criticism. But but you're right. A, a joint statement instead of that's. And then when you do put out a joint statement, this is the best that you got. It's a bit sterile. It is sterile. It's lame. It seems a little bit cold. I expected so much more. And we don't know what the relationship was between Matthew Perry and the cl- and the uh, castmates. There were a bunch of uh, clips from the reunion where people thought Matthew Perry might have been on something at the time. I don't think so, because in in all of his interviews, he slurs his words. And I'm wondering if there was some kind of damage done uh, by the drugs. We don't know. I mean, hearing about his medical history and and how many times he almost died and he did so many opioids that his colon burst. And he had a there was one night when his parents were told he had like a two percent chance of making it through. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was clean and that slurring of the words was just the, the effects of the, the drugs on his brain. But, but in his later years, he's trying to, he was trying to help people and, you know, help those that were going through the same struggles that he was, you know, opening those houses yeah. and, you know, those uh, retreats and things like that. And, and I just wonder if there were things in his book that maybe burned some bridges. I did not read it. Me Uh, me either. And obviously I just heard the salacious stuff as they were promoting it. It was all over the place, but uh, yeah, I I think you're right. It's, it's a bit, it seems a bit callous. I think most people 
would rather hear a nice heartfelt tweet or something. And and you know, they don't owe us anything, but they don't. But but you're right. It does feel weird that they just put a joint statement out instead of um just saying individual stuff about him. I think you want them to have the relationship that was portrayed that, on Friends. You know, that's exactly yeah. it. Because when a show is so iconic and people are so famous for playing, you you feel like that's reality. Yeah, exactly. And that was that's a testament to the show. Yep. And, and the, acting. Yeah, but yeah. reality is not not always what you see on mm-hmm. TV. Um, so it seems like the uh, the big three strike against the UAW is winding down here. This is it, I think. It's all over except the voting. After nearly a month and a half, all three Detroit automakers, of course, they have tentative deals with the United Auto Workers after General Motors came to an agreement with them yesterday morning. A lot of details are the same as with Ford and Stellantis. 25% wage increase over four and a half years. Cost of living increases reinstated end of the tiered wage system and improvements to the profit sharing formula. Uh, one of the sticking points was how to bring the Altium cell EV battery plant under the agreement. You remember one of the big victories is that GM promised to bring the electronic vehicle plants under the national agreement. However, it's a joint venture between GM and LG. So that complicated things a little bit. Um, throughout this whole thing, Renee, we were talking, we we're trying to figure out if Sean Fain was, was, was a maniac or a genius. Truth is he's probably a little bit of both, yeah. but you're leaning more towards genius. I mean, he and his UAW, uh, uh, negotiating team got a great deal for the membership. There are some points in the negotiation. I thought the deal would get blown up, but he obviously knows what he's doing and he might be. One of the most powerful people in America right now, especially if he's able to pull off unionizing the the foreign automakers. I, I except for maybe the president, I I don't know who else has more power than him right now in the United States. Yeah, I mean, like you said, this this could be like a master class on how to do business and negotiating. And did you know that yesterday was his 55th birthday? Really? Yeah, so well, he pulled this off on his 55th birthday. This was all planned. It was planned. Could you just imagine him? <laughs> I don't have a good Sean Fain impression, but come on, Mary Barra, damn it. It's my birthday. Let's get a deal done. Meet our demands. Do you like, think he went and celebrated at the Applebee's? <laughs> That's true. You know, it's probably Cheesecake Factory because he was getting his full pay this whole time. That's right. He could have swung it That's right. and an appetizer. He really splurged. You know, Renee, I I would like to think that maybe one day down the line, Sean Fain and the CEOs of the Big Three, maybe they can be friends one day. Yeah, just you know, put it all behind them and laugh about it at a happy hour. Yeah. I don't think so. No, <laughs> no I don't think so. so much. Yeah, I'm going to be so curious to see how the uh, the next round of negotiations go in four and a half years. I think a lot of uh, a lot of what Sean Fain did this time was setting the tone, saying, oh, you don't think I will? I will. Watch me. And so I wonder if that is going to make the negotiations go smoother next time. I don't know. I wonder if the big three are going to adjust their strategy but it seems like uh, i'm sure what's the old saying when they're playing checkers he's playing chess Chess, yeah i'm sure he's got he's got a strategy in the event that they try to adopt his strategy president joe biden was asked about the deal on monday as he was boarding air force one back to the white house and he gave a thumbs up and said i think it's great (laughs) great analysis (laughs) 
What do you want to tell Joe Biden right now? Thanks for weighing in, Joe. (laughs) So, Renee, we spent a lot of time on the show kind of roasting Elon Musk for bad ideas on Twitter X and charging for the privilege. But now it's Zuckerberg's turn. Yeah, he's going to start charging users in Europe for ad-free subscriptions on Facebook and Instagram starting next month. Facebook and Instagram users in Europe, Iceland, Norway, and Switzerland will be offered ad-free subscriptions between 10 euros, which is about 1060 per month for ad-free desktop access, or 1378 per month for mobile access. Subscription fees will cover all accounts under one user until March. Then it'll be an additional 6 euros and 8 euros that will be charged for web access and mobile access for additional accounts, respectively. A subscription will only be available for users aged 18 or older. And Meta said it is exploring how to provide teens with a useful and responsible ad experience given this evolving regulatory landscape. Yeah, and I guess they're hiding behind the reason that there's new privacy regulations in Europe, and that's why they're doing this. But that, does, but but this is just an option. It's it's not. It's not a requirement. requirement. Right. But here's the thing. No one's going to pay for this. No, we're so used to being bombarded with ads. I, I wouldn't pay for it. I mean, we spend so much time blasting Elon Musk for wanting to, to charge a dollar a year for Twitter. This is ten fifty eight dollars a, a month for the web version and thirteen seventy five for the smartphone version. Who's going to do that? So does that mean you have to pay for each one separately? Does that yeah. Mean, does that, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I here, here's the thing. All right, I never go on. I never go on Facebook or Instagram and say there's too many ads. For all the shortcomings of Meta, one thing they do do well is is the ads aren't intrusive. All right. Um. You know, sometimes I'll say there are uh, too many fake articles. There's too many pyramids. Too much ski- clickbait. Yeah. Uh. Too many wannabe influencers, but I never say that there's there's too many ads. So, uh, it's it's it's. Unless you're giving people something way above and beyond, they're not gonna they're not gonna pay this for something no. that they've been getting for uh-uh. free. But what they're gonna start doing, they're gonna start putting uh, features that that we've been using for years behind paywalls and try to nickel and dime you that way. A terrible death um, of a former NHL player, and it happened at the rink. Yeah, Adam Johnson, he's a Minnesota native who had brief stints with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He died after this freak accident during a uh, a game in the United Kingdom over the weekend. He was 29, and he was playing for the Nottingham Panthers, which is an elite ice hockey league against the Sheffield Steelers on Saturday in the Utilita Arena at Sheffield when his neck was cut by a skate blade. Uh, The Panthers tweeted Saturday that the Challenge Cup was stopped for a bad injury, and players returned to their locker rooms. Fans were later asked to leave the building due to a major medical emergency. The Panthers said in a statement that Johnson had tragically passed away following a freak accident at the game in Sheffield last night. The team didn't share details about what happened to Johnson, and the statement went on to say that the Panthers would like to thank everyone who rushed to support Adam last night in the most testing of circumstances. Yeah, I wonder how that happened. My friend saw the video. She said that it it was horrifying, and it, and it kind of screwed up her day because it was quite graphic. Well, back in 1989, there's this this iconic picture, and don't Google it unless you're willing to see something graphic. It's a fellow named Clint Malerchuk. He played, he was a goaltender for the Buffalo Sabers, and in 1989, there's a tussle in front of his net, and somehow a skate flew up and cut both his carotid artery 
and it nicked his jugular. And there's a picture of him on the ice holding his neck with a pool of blood in front of him. Now, he survived because he had professional trainers right there. If it wasn't an NHL game with the medical personnel standing by, he probably would have died. That's probably what happened with this yeah. guy. Yeah. It sounded like it was a semi-pro game, but they they probably don't have team trainers right there. They may have like an amb- uh, paramedic standing by. But if you don't have someone who can stop the bleeding right, right. away. Right. And it messed this guy up. I mean, he played a few more years, but he ended up getting addicted to drugs. He attempted suicide at least once. He wrote a really uh, compelling piece in The Athletic uh, about it years ago. But uh, those those blades are like knives on their feet. And, you know, it's it's a surprise. It doesn't happen as much. I mean, that's what I said. Now goalies wear a lot of neck protection. They got what they call the dangler, the little piece of plastic. That's the kind of keep you protected from a puck punching you in the throat and then a lot of them they kind of it's like this this padded turtleneck type thing Uh um yeah absolutely horrifying absolutely scary and uh i i mean that's not anything that you expect to happen when you when you go to a hockey game all right we are going to um get our fill of lloyd singing (laughs) <laughs> Coming up after the break. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. Oh. Uh, <laughs> heading into the home stretch on this Halloween edition of First Thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale. Guy Lloyd and Jamie join us. And uh, I have to say, it's been, what, two weeks? Two weeks we've gone without. And I have to issue a retraction. I called Lloyd a baritone yesterday, he's a tenor. I'm but, really a tenor, but I can sing baritone too. Well, you got so, yeah, pipes so you're like not those. wrong. You are not a tenor. You I am can a t- sing a tenor, but well, you're. You, that's, <laughs> well, Mr. Okay. Jackson, I can sing a tenor. I can sing a tenor. Okay. Well, I can sing yeah, no tenor can hit the low notes that you hit. <laughs> when, you've got, when you've got the range of a Lloyd Jackson or this a Mariah Carey, you can't. <laughs> It's the voice of an angel. Andrea Bocelli, right. Lloyd Jackson. <laughs> you can't, you, you can't, can't pin them down. But without further ado, our lives have been off tr- track ever since uh, the last time we heard Lloyd take it away. Forward down the field. <laughs> Uh, you know, is that the only line you know? That's about the only line I know. <laughs> That's about it. Well, if, I know. The, if I had the words in front of me, I I could sing the whole you song. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have until your audition with with Rod Wood to learn the. Yeah, rest. remember oh. when he was like, "We're aware of you." Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so you, do you do you sing it with the same level of passion if it's just a field goal? Well, yeah, do they, know, but they, they don't sing it after the after a field. Yeah. After just a field goal, they only sing it after a touchdown. Right. I believe that's correct. Yeah. Now that mm-hmm. I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Mm. Well, Boy, it, I, my recollection is different, but it's been okay. a while. I And I've got a burning question for Jamie. I was watching her on four yesterday, and mm. I think it was the four o'clock, and you found that tailgate, uh, that really uh, intricate tailgate. Um, and then they came back to you, and one of the guys from the tailgate was talking trash to this uh, this this the spunk- Raiders lady. Yeah, the spunky yeah. elderly lady, and they cut away from you so quickly. And I said, "All right, someone's got to go check on her because they're probably throwing hands." <laughs> what happened with like a hammer cut? Well, the Raiders woman wanted to speak, and we're like, "Yeah, no, you were just this was just for fun. This is not an interview." <laughs> You're right. a prop. And she was like, "Hold on, hold on, hold on." I'm like, "No, no, no, no." But overall, I did three different tailgates in the four, five, and six. All were fantastic. Easter Market was bumping. It was such a fun atmosphere outside the stadium and inside. 
Yeah. Yes. And where are the leftovers? <laughs> yeah. no. There are no you, leftovers. You, what was shared with me was consumed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, we're talking about Jamie now. You know she. I love food. <laughs> she's a foodie. You got, I think you got a little chili right now. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I didn't just go to any old tailgate. The first guys had a hibachi. Ooh. Oh, wow. And the second people had prime rib. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Listen, it's the Lions, That's man. They're doing, yeah. they're doing yeah. big things, so the, the fans are doing big things. And all the these people said, come back. We're going to do a bigger at Thanksgiving. Was the hot tub out there? <laughs> I did not see those people. That's those that, people are serious. They yes. are really serious. That sounds like a health code violation or something. <laughs> the strangers of the hot tub. Well, I mean, what an absolute blast. I mean, um, I I was saying to Renee early on, can we sign that woman who uh, picked up Jameer Gibbs into the stands with absolutely no F? She could be like a strong safety or maybe a gunner on special teams. I mean, that was... I mean, I, you know, I think Jameer jumped and it looked like that, yeah. but she is a star. The Lions have already interviewed her. Oh, they have. Yeah, yes. I, that's what I thought. It looked like Jameer Gibbs got got up but there on his own. Let that be a thing that we see more of. That yeah, yes. just so Board much field fun. Yeah. Yes. yeah, I mean, monster game. He's really stepped up in the absence of of David Montgomery. I know Jamie got some sound on that. Uh, we'll be back. Jr. Morning first. <clears throat> oh, pardon me. I'm becoming a man. <laughs> first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. We got reports over the weekend that the University of Michigan rescinded an offer that would have made football coach Jim Harbaugh the highest paid coach in the Big Ten. Angeline Chingales covers the team for the Detroit News, and she talks to Guy Lloyd and Jamie on JR Morning. The sign-stealing scandal at University of Michigan's football program keeps uh, growing new angles. Uh, and this morning, the latest revelation is that there was a whopper of a contract on the table for head football coach Jim Harbaugh a offer that was quickly rescinded as a result of this ongoing drama. Uh, Angelique Jangelis, a Michigan beat writer for the Detroit News, confirming that story uh, that broke elsewhere. And Angelique joins us live this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, nothing um, nothing ever boring on this Michigan football beat, is it? <laughs> no. It's crazy. How far down the road were they on this contract? They were uh, very far down the road. I mean, the people I talked to um, the weekend of the Indiana game, so about two weeks ago, there was a lot of movement with, with the different representatives on, on Michigan's side and, and Jim Harbaugh's side. He doesn't have an agent. He has lawyers. Um, that's always been the talk. Well, he doesn't have an agent, but he has representatives. And there was a lot of discussion about, you know, they want to make this guy, they, they want to keep Jim Harbaugh. And a few days earlier at, at his weekly news conference, you know, Jim Harbaugh was asked about it. And I asked a couple follow-ups and, you know, it was about, I want to be somewhere where they want me, something he's always said, and, and he felt wanted. So clearly there was movement. And the way it was described to me, the, the Wall Street Journal, which, which broke the story, said rescinded. I was told it was the, the Friday when the sign Stealing information was starting to really come out, and Connor Stallions was suspended by Michigan. That the contract was temporarily withdrawn, and which sounds a little less harsh, I think, than than rescind. Um, it sounds like that there's, you know, that they plan to revisit it. But I think the optics of the situation now made it look a little challenging to to go forward and and suddenly. Uh, announced that, that Jim Harbaugh, if he signed. You know, Awkward. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. 
Well, they were trying to avoid the awkwardness of, you know, the speculation that he's going to the NFL. It happens mm-hmm. every year. So yeah. they were trying to lock him in. And then this happens. So I kind of get the optics of it. So you think, you know, this isn't like we're done with Jim Harbaugh, Angeli. I, I don't think so, Jamie. I mean, I think that, that there there is a lot of desire of the top administrators at Michigan to keep him. There's so much fan support for him. Um, even in light of, of all of these allegations. And, and I think, you know, one thing I, I did chit-chat with, with Ward Manuel, Michigan's athletic director, before the Michigan State game, he was up in the press box, and he didn't want to go on the record. But, but what, he was, what he was really conveying is that Michigan hasn't really had a chance because they feel like their hands are tied in terms of NCAA investigations and what they can say. They're very limited. And they, he was really having a problem with all of the – Every headline's negative, obviously, and and they don't have any they don't have any means to combat that. So that was what he was dealing with that weekend. It wasn't anything about oh my goodness, you know, another issue um, in this program. And and you know, I think that they want to have a defense and they want it to get out there. They just can't. I mean, that's with with the NCA and now investigating. That's really makes it difficult for for Michigan to defend itself. But I I don't think that um, to your point, Jamie, I really do think they want to keep Jim Harbaugh. You know, Angelique, it seems like it's it's almost kind of like a, the we've kind of seen this before, kind of with Burgergate back in July. And, uh, you know, they were kind of waiting to see what the NCAA was going to do. And then he imposed the, the suspension on himself, the three-game suspension, almost kind of like the same thing going on here, to, I mean, kind of waiting to see what the NCAA does before they decide whether they're going to reinstate this contract. It does feel like that, and and that really was the, the the sense with the previous investigation that has not yet been resolved and probably won't be resolved until the spring. I mean, they haven't even received Michigan has not received a notice of allegations for that one. I mean, they don't even have a draft of a notice of allegations for this this new investigation. Um, but yeah, I mean, but I think time is a little bit of the essence here because, as Jamie mentioned, the NFL is always something that's rumored to be a possibility for Jim Harbaugh and, and not not really rumored last year and this year, but in fact, he went to the Vikings and had an in-person interview. And earlier this year, there was he was very close to, to going to Denver, to the Broncos. So they would really, there would like to be some, some kind of um, contract in place that's going to keep him here because there is going to be some new NFL interest, more than likely, Starting in late December, that's usually when when that stuff really starts heating up. And if they don't have a contract in place, then then who knows, you know, what his next step will be with, with Jim Harbaugh because, you know, he does have two outstanding investigations now. This is right. getting challenging for a lot of people, including him, to navigate. Mm-hmm. There there seems to be an assumption on the part of a lot of the fans that I was hanging with over the weekend that yeah that he's just going to go to the NFL. They think it's a foregone conclusion. But what you're telling me is, the school is saying we want you. We just can't show you how much we want you right now with these things <laughs> hanging over us. So I guess the other shoe that we're wondering about, Angelique, is what will the ultimate penalties be if they find with the sign-stealing scandal that there was wrongdoing? I'm going to have to leave you in suspense there. If you want to hear that full podcast and hear Angelique's answer, just uh, go to thegreatvoice.com, look for JR Morning, and you should find it. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. Uh, Coming up, the big three strike appears to be over. We'll talk about it after the news.